doing? Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available for Monday, the 30th of October 2017, with me, Daniel Ruiz Tyson, episode 184, take three. I hope you're all well, keeping on doing what you need to be doing to keep yourself going, sweating the small stuff. The small stuff does matter. A show whose unique twist is the Little Herd host doesn't stop telling you how much they hate podcasting. Back in the flat for today's episode. So uh, I'll have to try and overcome this uh, traffic noise. Although uh, if you did hear episode 183, you will have heard that police siren that found its way into uh, the uh, meeting room I was recording from last Thursday. It's a strange age, this, I'm finding. Middle age causing me uh, no end of problems. I forgot to say on episode 183 when I was uh, talking about meeting Jack McEnroy that I had mentioned to him that one of the last times I'd seen him uh, we'd gone to a uh, Dulwich Hamlet game and uh, he'd introduced me to his dad who was uh, a great character uh, but then he'd left me talking to his dad for most of that afternoon and uh, I had wondered why he'd done that. Did he see me as being closer to his dad's generation than his own. And, you know, I had asked him this finally uh, last week and, uh, you know, he took it in good spirit. But that, that that is the strange thing. I feel like I've got a foot in both camps now. I get emails at the man now that I've been there a while, now that co-workers are finding me a bit more approachable and I get included on these emails to go out, which, uh, of course, isn't going to happen because I'm not that way inclined. I don't do the work thing. But uh, 90% of those included in the emails are people I could have fathered, and I don't think I am ready to have arrived at that point in life. It's difficult. And uh, the easiest way for me to deal with it is just not to reply. I spent the first half uh, of last week, and I had to abandon this because uh, because the man is relocating. So over the weekend, I had to bring stuff home, which now goes to the new building. So I couldn't take the trainers with the new orthopedic insoles uh, with me. So I had to abandon this uh, transition from the old insoles to the new insoles. But I'd certainly been foolish in disregarding the original advice I was given at the clinic, which was to uh, phase the new insoles in. I'd been given a a leaflet which told me the amount of uh, time I had to spend each day wearing the new insoles. So, you know, forgive me if I'm covering old ground here. Episode 182 may have dealt with this. But basically, I decided rather than be pulling the... uh, new insoles out of the uh, trainers and putting the old ones back in and risking, you know, uh, pulling the trainers and the insoles out of shape. I just thought, well, I'll wear the old trainers, keep the old insoles in there and uh, stick the new insoles in the newer trainers. I was spending too long wearing the new insoles. And about a week ago, I, I think that's why I started having these headaches. I think I mentioned I was trying to eliminate what was behind the headaches. But basically... In going back to the old trainers and trying to do this all over again, building up to the um, full day wearing the new insoles, the old trainers have these yellow laces, which I never liked, which are far too flamboyant for me. I am so not a yellow laces guy, but I am not buying new laces just for the two or three weeks I'm going to have to be uh, 
wearing both the uh, old and new trainers but you know I'm going around with uh, these yellow laces and I can almost see people looking at the trainers looking at the yellow laces and thinking we don't expect this from you you're not a yellow laces guy last week was uh, exceptionally hard attritional a really hard week with the man really hard as the space daddy would say and often does I'm biting hard into the pillow at the moment this week is going to be no different it's just hard for me to do something I'm just not meant to be doing. And, you know, that's why when I'm with the man, I'm with him. I give myself to him day in, day out, day in, day out, so long as I have time that day to work around that on my own stuff. It's that routine thing with me. I take a day off. I get a sniff of my old life. I write eight, nine hours a day again. And I'm just in mourning for that old life. Even with the greatest day jobs I've ever had. And I'm thinking back to 1994, March 94 to February 95. Didn't quite make the year. I was working at this picture library. Originally part-time while I was retaking my A-levels. And I absolutely loved it there. Easily the best day job I've ever had. Now, November 94, the uh, picture library was celebrating its 10th anniversary and they held this great party in this fancy venue in Knightsbridge. And uh, I remember that the greatest guy that I ever worked with was this French guy, Mark. And uh, he was absolutely hammered that night. He was a few years older than me. And I remember there was a girl wearing a ridiculous hat at that uh, party, a massive hat, and uh, he was a very small guy. He looked like the uh, neighbor's kid in Georgia Mildred, one maybe for older listeners, and he was tapping his cigarette ash into the top of this girl's hat as the uh, night wore on, I remember that. I also remember that he and I were given uh, something like four or five hundred pounds between us, petty cash, to hand out to staff that night to make sure everyone got home. I think it was on a Thursday night, so we still had to go to work on the Friday. And uh, the pair of us got into such a state that uh, we were just handing out money to strangers. It was a, it was a very strange night, uh, a very good night, uh, but a strange one too. Strange in the sense that I was so outgoing that night in a way that I'm not normally. And uh, that job was so good that it got me through the disappointment of failing my A-levels uh, again and uh, an early heartache pertaining to uh, that year at college. And uh, looking back, those two experiences from 93 to 94 did leave me very depressed. They gave me a grounding, I would realise, much later. I think they gave me a grounding for dealing with the grief that came my way in the early noughties. That job was special, though. It was really special. But uh, my point is, the point of this story is that I remember for that party, I took a half day to get my hair cut. And again, since I'd been there, I'd been there by then about eight months and I hadn't taken a single day off. You know, when I work, I work. I just give myself to that place. I'm not one for taking days off, even when I was younger. And so I was making my way to Andy's, my old uh, barber. You can listen to that uh, two-part podcast special I did with uh, Andy, my old barber, on Landor Road uh, in late 2015, just before he uh, retired after 50 years on that road. 
So to get to Andy, I got a train from Euston to Stockwell, the southbound northern line. And I got out at Stockwell and I was walking home first to drop my bags off at Mayflower. And then the idea was that I would go on to Andy's on Landall Road, who um, it was just a couple of minutes away. I think I asked him for a step that day. I definitely had curtains, centre parting, my peak era look, I suppose. CNA clothes, just to give it that little bit more. And, uh, you know, possibly my greatest look, I would, uh, I would venture. And uh, I remember as I was walking down Stockwell, I remember walking past the top of Jeffreys Road. And uh, there was a parish hall there, St. John's, where I'd gone to nursery. That's since been knocked down, of course, to make way for uh, luxury flats. Next to that was a Peugeot uh, showroom. That's also gone for luxury flats. And uh, my childhood library, Jeffrey's Library, was on Jeffrey's Road. So it was a road I really, really knew. One of the big roads of the uh, first half of my life. And I was heading southbound towards Mayflower. And as I was walking through Stockwell at that time, aware that I hadn't done that on a weekday since the start of the year, a little thought came into my head and it never quite went away. And that thought was, you can't do this every day. And even though that job was so great, even though I loved that job and I really liked most of the people there, and I don't think I've ever been more popular at a job, it took me a while to win them over. I remember I was counting the weeks it took me to get to know the people there because, you know, I'm, I'm just, uh, I don't like over familiarity. It takes me a long time to get to know people. It takes me a long time to allow people to get to know me. And uh, it's happened in this place as well. I just became aware on that walk as I reached the top of Jeffrey's Road that I couldn't do that anymore. That I couldn't make that walk between nine to five anymore. The man, I didn't know it was the man back then. And actually it was a friend of the show and a podcaster Clay Lowe who first... Uh, exposed me to that term the man I came very late to it as I often do with things and uh, I hadn't heard that term before 2010 and that sowed something in my head until it began to grow and grow over the winter until I foolishly quit the job in February 95 and went on my Amstrad to start writing the project that would get my mum and I out of the uh, bed set which of course never happened but see even when the man was good I struggled with him I've never wanted anything badly enough to give myself over to the man long term. I'm not saying that makes me better than those who do. I will say I don't and never have envied those that have their houses and cars. That was never for me. I'm not a materialistic guy. I admire those that have worked hard for everything they've got, who never had the bank of mummy and daddy helping them. I really do admire those people who have worked for every single penny they've made. I suppose this standoff with a man explains the very turbulent life I've led as an adult. I could never make that long-term commitment. I'm not built like that. I want to write. I want to make things. I want coffee. I want to live forever, you know, with a regularly updated wardrobe so my look isn't too dated. I want CNA to reopen the UK arm of their operations, which they closed down in the early noughties. You have to do the things you're good at, the things you love. Of course, that is very romantic. But I would say if you are young, if you are listening to this, and it's unlikely that this show has young listeners, but if you are young, if you have somehow found your way to, to this show, let this be a warning to you. Have a plan in your life. 
try and have something to work towards because I do think it is massively important to do the thing that you love. And the difficulty for me has always been trying to marry that with the man. I saw my dad fail because he refused to compromise. He refused to compromise with the man. He didn't meet the man halfway. You need a plan. It has been a turbulent existence, I think, at this stage of my life. I think at this stage of my life, I have put up a better fight than my dad did. Something happened to my dad in the late 80s, I think. I think the turning point for him was breaking his ankle in September 89, the uh, the age of enlightenment and Mayflower when he went mad buying duvets after discovering duvets and uh, you know buying the uh, 12-foot cloak rail to counter my uh, Z-bed purchase when I decided I wanted to sleep in the front room rather than with three other members of the family. I don't think I was being unreasonable, people. But something happened. He was never quite the same after that because he had been a solid worker, you know, self-employed for 10 years leading up to that as a, as a painter and decorator in and out of work. But when the work was there, he took it. But after that, he just seemed unwilling to make compromises. And uh, by then he'd been doing the evening classes at the same college for seven or eight years and just decided to pack it all in and commit to college full time and uh, we're at similar stages of our life I think he was a bit older than me at that stage but uh, that is the warning for me and I think I've done a better job than he has of trying to put up a fight trying not to fall into that hole to the extent that he did but, uh, you know, the reality is, if I forget the writing, which, uh, you know, is not to dismiss something minor because it's a big thing. And I'm, you know, I'm confident that that is on its way back, that that, that script will come off. But uh, in terms of what I'm making with the man, all I'm doing is paying off debts. All I'm doing is surviving. I'm not very materialistic. Maybe that's the problem I have in terms of being able to commit to the man that there's Nothing I crave enough to keep me there. If the show was successful, this is where the shaving ads uh, would be going. You guys don't uh, go in for the ads, though. We have tried it before. You're listening to Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. The other side of the midlife crisis. Follow this show on Twitter at 1607WestEgg. You can... Uh, I don't know how it works on Facebook, but the Facebook page is Daniel Ruiz Tyson. No, it's not. It's facebook.com forward slash Daniel Ruiz Tyson is available. That's what it is. If you want to drop the show an email, it's DRT available at westegg1607.co.uk. Ways to support the show. You can do all your Amazon shopping by clicking on the Amazon referral link at danielruiztyson.com. Amazon recognises you've gone to them via the referral link on my site and kicks back a small percentage of whatever you've purchased back to my work at no extra cost to you. And that allows me to keep this uh, archive of 500 plus shows online for everyone. And uh, as I keep saying during this Christmas countdown with Christmas coming up, this is the biggest opportunity of the year for the website to again start paying for itself. Further ways to support the show, you can rate and review the podcast on iTunes. That is a massive help. Reviews, not just ratings, but a review. That makes a massive difference in the Apple iTunes store. The show 
gains a greater visibility in the iTunes store. More podcast listeners searching the store for podcasts become aware of its visibility. And uh, maybe this show has a chance of being around uh, for longer. Subscribing, whether via iTunes or the RSS feed or the platform of your choice. Again, that's another way to help and uh, perhaps you might even consider making a secure donation to the podcast via the paypal button that you can find at danielruistizen.com those of you doing that you know who you are and uh, a big thank you to you your support is much appreciated pushing on uh, with uh, today's show on one of my bus journeys uh, to the man and there have been many because uh, as i said a few shows back i do like to get my money's worth out of an oyster cart since last thursday i have actually even started taking a bus i don't need to take and I take it just for two stops and I jump off to get the bus or the buses that I'm supposed to take. I really have to stop looking at the uh, live streaming on bus screens. Uh, I was on a single decker again and I was staring at the uh, live streaming once more and I saw this guy with a ball patch standing as I was. And as I say on single deckers, it's just pointless sitting down if you're a guy. And uh, I saw this figure on the screen with a bald patch at the front of the bus where I was and I thought that can't be me that can't be me and then I noticed that the guy on screen had a rucksack on his back and I haven't had a rucksack since 96 and I saw the rucksack and I thought phew this is of course my last episode this year before the uh, winter coat comes out for its second winter the flamboyant hood fur too much uh, for an introvert like me returning for another winter will i fare better this winter will the hood cause me as many problems will i remember the hood lessons of last winter there's a guy on my early morning bus route sees me less these days because i'm catching all manner of different buses to to the man to get my money's worth out of the oyster as i just told you now he definitely is balding by the way i think he does his own hair as well and it is very patchy he was wearing a summer jacket well into October, as have I, but I double up, of course. I have two spring jackets. I've got three layers underneath, a quintet of layers going into the 1st of November. This guy, he travels to work normally with his dad. Uh, I'd say this guy's probably around 30, works on the Northern Line extension at Nine Elms. As soon as he uh, turns off into Pascal Street, one of my favourite roads in London, He's lighting up a cigarette. When I went to what was then Vauxhall College in uh, 89, has been called Lambeth College for about 20 years now, and that's where my dad was as well. I remember just daydreaming in those classes because I'd never been exposed fully to those riverside views that were uh, available in the area at that time and you know Battersea Power Station which I could actually see from Mayflower but I never really appreciated and I would see all these uh, tower blocks that were skirting the river heading west and I just fell in love with those views from the late 80s onwards and uh, those are views that up until recently you could always see on roads like Pascal Street and I think it's St. Rule Street, which I did an episode on years ago, uh, a road that I've always wanted to go through but haven't. But it's a road that strikes me as really, really beautiful. 
And so basically, if you're heading towards Clapham Junction on Wandsworth Road, before you get to um, Lavender Hill, to your right, as you head towards the junction, there are roads that are disappearing. You can still see those views on some of those roads, but all too often now, the new builds that are coming up are blocking your access to the power station and beyond. But uh, it's, it's a shame. It's a shame because uh, I think, you know, if I was to tell you that my heart belongs to a certain part of London, it is there. It is in SW8. It is heading west on the river towards Battersea and beyond. I, I think those views are just so beautiful. There is a lot about London that I don't like, but that that chunk of London I've always loved. And, uh, you know, television is often obsessed with the views towards the east, you know, towards the Docklands. To me, I've always veered the other way, west. I do like West London. And uh, so this guy, him and his dad always turn off on Pascal Street. Anyway, he unveiled his uh, winter coat uh, last week. A little on the short side, possibly, has a hood. I'd need a bit more. I'd need something a bit longer, personally, to get through the winter. Thankfully, I do. I have a, a beast of a winter coat and uh, it will be back by episode 185. A quick visit to the cafe before I uh, disappear today, Friday 27th of October, 07.55 hours. I exchanged smiles with a veteran waitress. I don't know if it's the cleaning thing. My mum was a cleaner, my aunt was a cleaner up until last year, Spanish Carnu finally retired. Maybe I see the mop and the bucket and I see my mum and my aunt in her and all the other Spanish women I grew up with. We exchange smiles on Friday morning. We always do, you know. We always do since my orthodontal brace came off in uh, June 2014, which was so painful. I was not anticipating that pain. There'd always been very uncomfortable moments, you know, when you were getting the wire adjusted every couple of months. But nothing was as painful as having that brace wrenched off. And it really is just wrenched off. It is horrendous pain. It brought tears to my eyes. And uh, we actually, the veteran waitress and I, we actually exchanged waves earlier in the week which was uh, unusually spontaneous of me. I think I gave her a smile then as well. After the brace came off, I remember that day, it was a Saturday, my orthodontist told me I'd have a good smile. And uh, I had to make it clear to him that uh, I'm not a smiler. I remember telling him that. My facial expressions are too set in their ways. It's one thing telling me that physically I can smile if I want to, but I think my facial muscles are so set in their ways that it's very, very difficult now at this age to, to force those smiles through. But I can smile if I need to at a push. I'd actually say that the veteran gets more smiles out of me than anyone else. On Thursday, 26th of October, I was so tired that morning. I think that was just before uh, about five past eight. I have trouble getting in on a Thursday uh, before the shutter goes up. The uh, waitress 2017 doesn't tend to let me in. And uh, I got into the cubicle. My left hand, the right hand always has a tissue for the door handle, so I'm not touching the door handle with my bare hand. My left hand flopped into the urinal, struck the upper reaches of the urinal, 
Now, I knew that the veteran had just cleaned the toilets, but had she cleaned up there? Would cleaners really clean the entire urinal? Is the veteran that thorough? I was too tired to be as horrified as I should have been. It was only later in the day that I started to break it down. I've started to think if it's a small cubicle, which it is, to get a good high stream going if your intention for whatever bizarre reason was to reach the upper echelons of the urinal with your stream, you would have to step back. You'd have to step back really to do that and avoid any splashback. And there is not enough space in that cubicle to be able to do that. I don't think, I hope I'm right, but it was a, a horrific moment. And that is it. That is today's show. That is October. Always a month that serves the show well. Nine episodes this month to kick off the uh, Christmas countdown, uh, which will escalate next month. I hope you guys enjoy your start to the week and do what you do well. You can only do your best. Thank you for listening. Shoulders back, people. Keep on walking towards the sun. I'm back on Thursday. I'm Daniel Ruiz-Tyson, and today I have been available. 